You're listening to The Spiritual Awakening Show. This is part 21 of the ongoing Kundalini Awakening series. I go by Brent Spirit, and today's episode addresses the question, how long does the Kundalini process take? Now, in short, the answer varies greatly from person to person. But today I've got some insight and perspectives to share that should help you to orient yourself on your journey and to give you a more expanded outlook. Now, by zooming out and looking at your overall journey, how far you've come, and where you're headed, this will help you to feel a bit more grounded, patient, relaxed, and surrendered to the process itself. Now, of course, there is a transcendental element to this process, and in some respects, it is beyond time altogether. But we are bound by time and space as human beings, and so it's reasonable to contemplate things in terms of time now and then. Be sure to check out the other parts of this series. I have some principles and practices to support you on the ups and downs of this journey. I also have some really great interviews with incredible people with a lot of wisdom to share. You can find the video versions on YouTube. You can also visit brentspirit.com for more free content, to learn how to meet with me one-on-one to discuss your journey and challenges, and to contact me with any questions about your process. I'll do my best to get back to you promptly. Now, Spotify just shared with me that this podcast has been growing a lot this year. I want to thank you all for your attention, support, community, and feedback. It means so much. It's really nice to know that you're out there listening. If you feel like, you can hit follow, subscribe, leave a rating, and all that kind of stuff. You know what to do. That will really help this show to grow and to make it easier for those who need it to find it. Thank you so much. Anyway, let's get right into this episode all about how long the Kundalini process takes. Enjoy. People often ask me, in the midst of their kundalini process, how long is this going to take? Is it going to take a month? Is it going to take five lifetimes, a thousand lifetimes? How long is it going to take? So like I said in the beginning earlier, the answer to this question, it varies from person person to person. And there are many things to consider when we look both forward on our journey to the future, as well as when we look back at things that have happened. We can look back at our childhood, our earlier years. And if you have, if you have ascribed to the idea, you can also look into things that may have taken place in past lives. We don't need to get into the specifics of that, but if you have a general sense that you were a spiritual person traveling the spiritual path, putting in work, spiritual work in previous lifetimes, that carries over into this lifetime. So it does have an influence. It is a factor to consider as well. Okay. So what I'm sharing here today, these are just my ideas. They're based on my experience, my intuition, some research that I've done, some conversations that I've had. Now, some other teachers, some other guides, some other people that are ahead on the Kundalini journey, they may have different views, right? Like I said, at the very beginning of this series, I'm not the final word on the topic of Kundalini at all. I'm just here to share some of my ideas share my perspective, and get a little bit of a discussion going, okay? So you don't have to take everything I say as as gospel. Just take what resonates with you, leave behind what doesn't, leave a comment, leave some feedback, we'll have a discussion, we'll get the overall topic of Kundalini being talked about more and more, and in doing so, we can begin to tease out more and more, more valuable information uh, as a community, as a collective, okay? So once 
the kundalini begins to awaken and rise i would say that this process takes anywhere from one to ten years to reach relative completion and stability now i've talked about the idea of relative relative completion and stability in previous parts of this series in short i mean the point where you recognize an ongoing feeling of peace of stability of oneness of unity where the kundalini has risen from the base to the crown non-duality has been realized the heart is open okay now this doesn't mean a perfect state where you know you don't get triggered where you don't have thoughts where you don't ever have a moment of being caught up in ego and caught up in separation no i mean relative completion okay i'm being realistic about this i don't want to sell you on an idea of the kundalini process being uh something that will turn you into a sort of absolutely perfect being that is now not human anymore you'll still remain human okay so that's what i mean when i say relative completion so to get to that point once this journey begins like i said about one to ten years okay now i know that's a pretty broad range so i'm going to break down a little bit of of that range and what that might look like who the people who might fall on the one year outlook might be and who the people might fall on the 10 year outlook might be as well and you can sort of pick and pick and realize you know where you might fall or what you can do to to make some changes perhaps to make things go a little faster to go a little bit more smoothly and efficiently for you okay so one year it's very quick it's often unheard of okay five years it's about average okay and 10 years is quite a while but it's not unheard of at all many people might take you know, 7, 10, 12, 15 years to reach a point of, of stability of relative completion, like I mentioned. Regardless, it's important to remember that, you know, fast or slow, it doesn't really matter. It's not a race. And in the very, very grand scheme of things, five years, 10 years, even 100 years, it's nothing, okay? The universe has been around before the even, before time was even a thing, um, you know, a lot of this transcends time and many many lifetimes goes into this process itself and so 100 years even in the in the big picture it's like a blink of an eye okay so we don't want to get too fixated too attached to the concepts of time but of course we are humans bound by space and time as we live in the world and so it's useful to understand these things and so that's why i'm here speaking about them okay so those that take about one to three years usually have a few beneficial factors going for them, which help to facilitate a very smooth and efficient process. So firstly, they're likely to have put in a lot of work toward doing their own healing, doing their own shadow work, towards developing themselves emotionally, perhaps addressing trauma perhaps engaging in a sort of meditation practice, a spiritual practice, and so on, okay? Maybe they've been doing therapy. Maybe they've been exploring, you know, the deeper stuff, right? You know what I mean by the deeper stuff? Self-awareness, being introspective, willing to heal, willing to grow, okay? So they may have been doing this type of work prior to any significant, clear, obvious kundalini awakening, rising, or phenomena, okay? So we all know people like this, you know, they're very much into doing the work, right? So some people who have been doing the work for many, many years, then they have a kundalini awakening, and because most of the purification has already been done, the kundalini can rise and reach relative completion, reach the crown 
allow the person to experience that that unconditional love and oneness rather quickly because the work has been done okay so these people are likely to have also maybe not have come from extremely traumatic backgrounds to begin with as well so of course there's not a lot to be purified with those who don't have a lot of trauma so that's why the kundalini can rise and and carry the process out very quickly for those people as well and now this is very important those who undergo the kundalini awakening process rather quickly usually have a great attitude toward the process okay so what i mean by this is that they're able to quickly understand and implement the concepts of things like surrender of unconditional love of humility they don't run from this process in fear instead they move directly into it almost with a bit of excitement with a bit of curiosity and an element of faith that they know it's going to work out so they're not afraid of this they move towards it they realize oh i'm going through a transformation I'm going through an evolution. I'm going through a healing process. This is exciting. Maybe challenging, but it's exciting and they move right into it, okay? These people also, due to their humility, due to their willingness to engage in this work, engage in the process, they may seek out teachers, people that have gone through the process, and they become good students, okay? And when I say seek out teachers, I don't necessarily mean a, a physical teacher, a physical person. I mean doing research, reading books, watching videos like this, listening to audio, whatever it is as well as also seeking guidance in the inner realms, you know, being humble and asking, praying in a sense, praying or having these conversations where we reach out, asking for support, asking for help, right? So when you combine all of these things, the process can, can be carried out rather quickly, okay? Even if you have a lot of trauma, if you have a good attitude toward the process, things can happen rather quickly, okay? Now, on the other end of the spectrum, when we look at this one to 10 year spectrum, we have those who may take, you know, upwards of a decade, maybe even more to reach relative completion or stability. Now, these people uh, usually begin their deep healing work after the Kundalini awakens, okay? So they're not typically doing much personal inner work prior to the Kundalini awakening. As well, they may also have significantly more trauma to process, which of course will take more time. Now, these kinds of people, typically they stumble into Kundalini awakening out of nowhere, you could say. Now, I say out of nowhere in quotations because, you know, it doesn't really happen to anybody out of nowhere. But for some of these people, it happens to them without a conscious spiritual background or spiritual practice, okay? So this kind of happens to them and they perceive it as it happens out of nowhere, it happens randomly. They weren't you know, looking for it. They weren't engaging in spiritual practices. It just kind of happens as a result of many, many different things, drug use, trauma, um, some sort of encounter with a very powerful spiritual being, uh, maybe some past life work carries itself over and it just so happens to be the right time for now Kundalini awakening to take place and it hits a person, you know, by surprise. And oftentimes they don't know what it is that they're experiencing. And because they don't know what it is that they're experiencing, they don't know how to navigate the path. They don't even know how to describe it so that they can look it up on the internet or to talk to somebody. They just have no idea what is happening to them and they don't know how to find uh, any information about it. And without any information, of course, how can you figure out you know, how to navigate safely and smoothly? Uh, that's an interesting question. There are ways to figure out how to navigate this process safely and smoothly without any external information. Of course, if we learn to just trust ourselves, but in this world where spiritual process, spiritual transformation, phenomena, experiences, awakening 
are often perceived as mental illness, is often perceived as something that's invalid. It's very common for a person to have these spiritual experiences out of nowhere and then shut them down, deny them, get confused, and not to be willing to just trust their inner wisdom, inner guidance, intuition to lead them. Okay, So because of that, of course, then we would need external sources to validate us, external resources to guide us, to inform us. And like I said, I know I'm going around in circles here, but like I said, if you don't know what happened to you, you don't know where to look. Okay, So this can cause many people to crawl around in the dark for years. They may have no idea what has happened to them. Okay, And they may have nobody to talk to. And so they're in, in essence, they're, they're alone. Okay. Now, eventually, these people may start to put the puzzle pieces together, and they may begin to figure out what they're experiencing. And then they can begin to learn how to navigate the journey much more easily from this point. But until then, it can take a while. Now, this goes to show as well that the Kundalini process is so far out, so mystical, it's so unusual that even when it happens to somebody, it can take them for it by surprise. Now, when I first had my rising, like my major Kundalini awakening rising, I had been traveling the spiritual journey for many years prior. I was aware of Kundalini. But when this happened to me, I didn't realize that this was a Kundalini awakening. For whatever reason, it didn't, I didn't connect the dots because it was so far different than what I had heard was described or what I had imagined it might have been. It was only about a couple of weeks later that I described the experience to somebody and they said, oh yeah, I heard Ram Das talking about Kundalini. I think that's what you experienced. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. That makes sense. Now, I was very fortunate. It only took me about two weeks, you know, to put the pieces together. But for some people, it may take decades, right, to put those pieces together. There's probably many people out there that right now have had significant Kundalini awakenings that are still trying to figure out what happened to them, right? And so this can cause the process to drag on. And this is why it's important that we talk about it the way that I'm here. That's why I'm doing this. We talk about it, that we bring it out in the open and say, hey, this is a real thing that happens to people so that they can stop, you know, crawling around in the dark and figure out what's going on with them. So it's important that we at least mention it here and there at times, maybe not all the time. You don't have to become, you know, the Kundalini person, but... You know, don't hide it, you know, bring it out here and there just so that people know it's, it's a real thing. So that uh, if they encounter somebody who's, you know, had experiences like this, they can, they can pass the information along and then, you know, help somebody out. Because it's a very challenging journey, very, very challenging, very lonely at times as well. Okay. So the other thing here is that for those who take a long time on their journey, Another reason for this is because that they can also end up delaying their process through self-sabotage, okay? So some may not feel worthy of this transformation. They may not feel worthy of the unconditional love of God. They may not feel worthy of, you know, uh, having a mystical union with God, of experiencing transcendental bliss, oneness, ecstasy, etc. They may not feel worthy of this deep down. Of course, if you ask anybody, hey, do you want to experience oneness, bliss, unity with God? They may say, yeah, of course. But deep down, many people don't feel worthy of this. This, of course, comes down to many reasons, you know, feelings of shame, feeling that they're not a good person, feeling that they have to do a lot to earn uh, everything in life, earn God's blessing, um, that they're 
by default a sinner, by default a flawed person, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, this can also result, you know, due to trauma. You know, if somebody does something or says something to you that makes you feel unworthy and that sticks with you, then when you get an invitation like Kundalini Awakening to experience oneness, unity, unconditional love, you may say, you know, I'm not worthy of this. And subconsciously, you may look for ways to sabotage yourself. And one of those ways is just by outright denying it, right? Running the uh, complete opposite direction. Uh, sometimes we can subconsciously learn how to shut this process down with the use of drugs, alcohol, consuming uh, media that's, you know, just not healthy. So these things can shut this process down, delay it. Maybe not shut it down completely, but keep it at bay. And in doing so, we just delay it. And that process of it being delayed becomes very uncomfortable because the kundalini is going to keep trying to, to do what it wants to do. And the more that we delay, the more that we, for example, say, get caught up in alcohol, uh, this can cause a lot of different problems, a lot of different challenges emotionally, psychologically, uh, spiritually, of course. And so it's important that we're mindful of the elements within us that feel unworthy, the elements of us that want to sabotage ourselves and delay this process. Okay, so that's another way that this can you know, really drag on. Now, conversely, the other way that people self-sabotage is actually the opposite. So instead of you know denying this process, shutting it down through unworthiness, they do the opposite, which is they try to rush it. They try to push it. They get very aggressive with their practices. Okay. So we know that, you know, throughout the series, I've been talking about surrendering to the intelligence of the Kundalini, which is of course, infinite intelligence. It knows what to do. You are the co-pilot. Your job is just to make sure that the area within your system, uh, is maintained so that the kundalini can do its work. You don't need to get too aggressive with your practices, but sometimes people think that they have to, you know, sit in the driver's seat, not be the co-pilot, but be the pilot and start to, you know, do aggressive energetic meditations, aggressive pranayama, right? They may think, okay, I heard kundalini is about the third eye, so I'm going to look up on YouTube a third eye meditation, I'm going to do some intense pranayama practice that I heard from some guy or some teacher or whatever. And they start to really push. And the more that they push because they want to make things happen, this can cause great instability. It can cause a lot of turbulence. It can cause a lot of things to happen. Like phenomena might happen, but not necessarily comfortable phenomena, not necessarily phenomena that can be controlled or turned off very easily. And now the person is, you know, in a sort of very, very unstable place very ungrounded you know they may be experiencing all sorts of third eye phenomena that is not comfortable or ideal at all okay i hesitate to even speak about it because it can be rather scary but i'm talking about seeing things in the astral realm seeing things um dark things that you don't want to see things like that so we don't want to push too much okay because the more that we push the more uncomfortable we, the more uncomfortable we get and then there may come a time where we feel like this is way too uncomfortable and then we learn out how to shut it down, which of course brings us back to the idea of self-sabotage. So this is another way that people delay the process, just getting too aggressive, just trying to make things happen without just surrendering to it, okay? So this is very, very important to understand these two dynamics of self-sabotage and getting too aggressive, trying to make things happen too quickly. Because if you try to make things happen too quickly, they go too fast, you get very uncomfortable, then you have to slow down and you're going to slow down much more than if you were to just surrendered, just be the co-pilot, just relax, 
Let the energy do what it needs to do at its own pace. You're just a servant. You just listen. You'll receive some guidance. You'll receive some inspiration. You'll receive some spontaneous impulses to move, but it won't come with effort. And if you move at that pace, things can happen rather quickly. Okay. So with all this said here, one key thing to remember is to think of this process in terms of years, not weeks, not months. Don't expect drastic changes to happen in just a few months. Okay. Instead, consider how things might look in the next two, five, 10, even 20 years into the future. Okay. So this is a much more realistic outlook for your spiritual development, for your spiritual journey. This outlook, if we look at it in terms of years, multiple years at a time, this will keep you grounded. It will keep you stable. It will keep you from, you know, chasing or expecting like major, major shifts to happen every little while. Okay. There may be periods, years at a time where you go where pretty much nothing happens in terms of the changes in your spirituality, right? Things can get very quiet for years at a time. And this is important as well, right? We have to remember that this process is so significant. It is so transformative that it has to take place over many years. Okay. This is important to understand. We go to high school for four or five years, right? If you go to get a degree, it's going to take you a few years. Nobody questions that. Nobody says, oh, this should go faster, right? But when it comes to spiritual awakening, which is arguably far more significant, far more transformative, far more life changing than, you know, going to school or going to get a degree, we want that to happen in just, you know, six months, one year, right? We got to look at a little bit more of a realistic outlook on this and really take a moment to pause and contemplate what is spiritual awakening, really? What is Kundalini awakening? What is this process really all about? And if you really realize the, the significance of it, then you'll say, okay, yeah, let this take as long as it needs to take. It's that significant. It's that major. It can take a thousand lifetimes. It's that big of a deal. There's no need to rush this. I don't want to rush this, right? You wouldn't want to rush, you know, uh, puberty, for example, you wouldn't want to go from just, you know, being a child to suddenly being a full, full adult overnight. You don't want to rush that you want to take it easy. You want to learn along the way you want to give your system time to adjust. Okay, same with this, you don't want this to happen quickly. Be be gentle with yourself. Give yourself an outlook of a few years at a time, not like this, you know, three months, six months, one year type of thing. Okay. Yes, like I said, some people it happens for a year or so, but most likely have been putting a lot of work prior, many, many years prior. Okay. The same goes for you. Okay. Um, it's very important to also consider that you have probably been putting in a lot of work toward this process since you were very young, since maybe even previous lifetimes. So for example, I've been working on this since, you know, some of, as early as I can remember now, my Kundalini rising, the specific event in which it, awake, it awakened fully, you know, that classic rising up the spine, which by the way, like I've mentioned in previous parts of the series, doesn't always happen to everybody, but it doesn't mean that they're not in a genuine 
full Kundalini awakening process, but I had one moment, one experience where the energy rose up from the base of my spine all the way to the root of my head. Very, very far out experience still, still processing it years later. Um, this happened to me when I was 23. But leading up to that, I was consciously engaging in spiritual practices very, very rigorously since I was 15. Now, I first began to experience major Kundalini phenomena at about age 21, 22, about one to two years leading up to this major awakening. But in hindsight, when I look back, I remember that the very first time I sat down to meditate, I was 15 years old, never meditated before. I sat down, closed my eyes, turned within, and suddenly my entire spine began to like bend backwards and my neck and, you know, it's very, very uh, like uncomfortable, but, but spontaneous. And I, I couldn't like, couldn't fight it unless I came out of the meditation. So when this happened to me at 15, I was just sitting down to meditate because I heard, you know, this could help you to calm the mind and, and find some relief from, from anxiety and, and, and to relax. And suddenly my spine is like doing all this weird stuff. And so I didn't know what was happening. And so I just, I just stopped meditating altogether. And of course the, the Kriyas stopped and I just shut it away, ignored it, didn't have any idea what was happening and just went on with my life. And for the record, I went on and I just practiced like active meditation, mindfulness, that sort of thing. Until a few years later, that's when I learned how to sit down in meditation. But uh, what am I trying to say? Well, I'm trying to say that even though this Kundalini phenomena began happening to me about 21, 22, it was actually happening even when I was 15 years old. Okay, so seven, eight years prior as well. Now, the other thing is that even before my teenage years, when I look back into my childhood, I was having energetic, meditative experiences even back then. Now, nothing like extremely mystical, you know, not having really, really, you know, divine spiritual encounters or anything like that. But there was definitely some energetic, meditative things going on inside of me as a child when I look back. So in a way, when I look at my journey in this way, I see that I've been doing this, you know, my whole life and that's, it's almost 30 years now. Okay. So in the same way that I've been reflecting on my own journey, I invite you to look at your journey in this way too. Okay. So see if you can reflect on some of the earliest experiences and memories that you have. Maybe there's certain feelings that you had about yourself, about the world, about God, about the energy in your body, right? You'll likely find that you were on this journey much longer than you may have realized prior, okay? And if you do that, this will help you to put things into perspective and it'll help you to orient yourself a little bit more on your journey. And you'll see that this is actually a journey that takes place over decades, okay? And it's only that there's a certain period in which we recognize, we, we become self-aware and we recognize, oh, I've been on this journey and for whatever reason, we are inclined to think that that's when the journey begins for many, many of us. We think that the moment the journey begins is when we realize that we're on the journey. Well, actually, the journey's been going on for a while. We just weren't aware of it, right? We were so immersed in the journey. We don't even remember, you know, consciously engaging in it, right? Like since we were children and whatnot. So keep these things in mind. Another thing to keep in mind here is that your age doesn't matter very much on this journey at all, okay? What matters is consciousness and what matters is your attitude towards the journey. 
Okay, so sometimes we think of this idea of, you know, the old wise man, the old wise woman. But really, wisdom is timeless and has nothing to do with age. But if you would like to look at it in that context of age, consider that we've all lived many, many lifetimes as well. Okay, so I hope that this has been useful. I know that I've left things a little bit open-ended. Maybe you're leaving with more questions than you have answers, but I hope that you can give yourself a little bit more of a reasonable outlook on this journey, get a little bit of a more healthy perspective. If you happen to be one of the people who are getting a little impatient or hoping that this just, you know, goes away sooner than later, instead of hoping that it goes away sooner than later, learn some of the ways in which you can navigate this journey with a little bit more wisdom, a little bit more surrender, a little bit more humility, a little bit more faith, a little bit more patience, a little bit more courage. Okay. So let this, this episode here today, let this message today be an invitation for you to zoom out, to look at your journey from a very high vantage point and recognize that yes, there is no rush. We have all the time in the world, all the time in the universe to carry this process out. But at the same time, don't delay it unnecessarily with self-sabotage, with feelings of unworthiness, and with feelings of, you know, wanting to aggressively carry this process out prematurely on our own accord. Okay. Hope this has been clear. Let me know if you have any questions, any feedback. I really appreciate your time today. You can find more content just like this, all free. You can also make a donation if you feel called. You can learn how to meet with me one-on-one. -on -one. And you can also contact me with any questions, comments, feedback at brentspirit.com. Be sure to check out the other parts of the series if you haven't already. Share it with a friend who you think might benefit from it. And stay tuned for the next episode in the ongoing Kundalini Awakening series. Until next time, I'm Brent Spirit. Much love and peace. Mm -hmm.